Welcome to Behind the Flag Podcast, sponsored by Get It Right Enterprises. Come on, join the crew and take the field during Friday Night Lights. We will learn from experienced guest presenters and mentors that will help you become a better football official, providing the tools to put you in the correct position to make the right call. Raise your officiating knowledge and strive to become the best football official and expert in National Federation High School rules. Learn the art of film breakdown, mechanics, and philosophies. You know, every year we have an entire off-season to get prepared. But in-season, you only have one chance to get it right. Good morning, Friday morning, December 4th. Um, welcome back. Another day with Behind the Flag podcast, and uh, we're winding down. This is the last episode of the year, episode number 45. Um, today we have our bosses on, Dana Pappas and Sally Marcus, and there's no better way to end the year than uh, to interview our, our two bosses. Um, I guess we have to be on our best behavior here. Yeah. Okay. How was your Thanksgiving, Ken? It was excellent. Ate too much, but uh, it's worth it. Every calorie. It was fantastic. Yeah, well, we only have a month or so to burn that off because yeah. we'll get back on the field. I'll, I'll work at it. Dana will uh, whip us back into shape before we get out. Yeah, so um, let me introduce our, well, our, our guest, Dana Pappas. She's been on a few times. Uh, she needs no introduction. Commissioner of officials for the NMOA. Uh, but her boss, Sally Marcus, she's the executive director. Um, looks like she started her career in 2004 with the NMLA, NMAA as assistant director. She was in that position until July 2011, uh, where she was promoted to assistant executive director. And then she became executive director of the NMAA in September 2012. Welcome, Welcome. and th thanks for joining us. Sure thing, anytime. Morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Dana. So, um, Sally, can you uh, let it? Who was the director uh, prior to you? And uh, if you could tell us a little about the early years at uh, in Emily. Um, the director that um, I I became um, came to the NMA in two thousand four as an associate director um, with Gary Tripp, who became the executive director at the same time. Um, we were working together at Rio Rancho Public Schools, and so when he was appointed executive director, he asked for me to come over. And we worked really close together um, all the way until his retirement in 2012. And at that time is when I did assume the roles of the executive director. Uh, so, you know, we've been, you know, been at the NMAA uh, for over 16 years, but prior to that, um, actually, this is my 38th year of education. Um, in the education field, I, I started as a coach and a teacher in Albuquerque Public Schools, um, a math teacher at, at that, and, and then um, I coached basketball and track and field. And then I left the state and, and went to Virginia for five years, and then after Virginia, that's where I got my master's in administration, and so I started my administration duties um, in Virginia, and that was in about 1992. And then um, I went from Virginia, I went to Texas for three years. And then I kind of just really missed home. I had experienced everything out of the state that I wanted to, uh, grew as an educator and as an administrator, and then came back in 1988, um, 1998, sorry, um, for the Rio Rancho Public Schools where I was a, a dean of students and assistant principal with Gary Tripp. And then I went over as a director of personnel for the Rio Rancho Public Schools, and then I arrived at the NMAA in 2004. So, um, yeah, I, I am retirement years. <laughs> I have enough in. Uh, so I, I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, I've been in education since 1983. Wow. Um, yeah, I had no idea um, about your, your extensive background. Uh, but just to fill in a, a couple of the missing parts, were you ever a, a on-field official, coach, uh, player for any any sport? Um, I've been playing all my life. You know, I still work out. I just got done with the workout. But um, 
I did play in high school. I played three sports. I was volleyball, basketball, track and field. Um, and after my high school career, I played basketball for four years at the University of New Mexico. Um, from there, I just continued being athletic and, and staying in shape and working out every single day. Uh, so I have not been an official, but after my playing days, I did coach track and field and basketball, and I coached those two sports in New Mexico, Virginia, and Texas. I had no idea you played for UNM basketball. Who was the coach? Well, when I started, it was Kathy Marpy in 1979. Um, she was the coach. We were very, very good. And then she did leave to the University of San Diego. And my next coach was Doug Hosselton at that time. So I, I played basketball at UNM from 1979 to 1983. And yeah, I was around when the scandal hit at the University of New Mexico um, in the pit when all of that happened with Norm Ellenberger. That is, that is so cool. Yeah. Uh, Dana, you know, just real quick, uh, when did you start at the NMA, NMOA? Um, I started in 1997. I actually started at the NMAA right out of college, so I'm, I'm a lifer there as far as my entire professional career. So, you know, most of our staff came from other avenues, whereas I just uh, started right out of out of college, I always like to say I started working there when I was nine, but nobody believed me anymore. So I'm in uh, my 23rd, almost 24th year at the NMAA, and the entire time has been working with officials in some capacity. So I started as the, at the time the position was called the NMOA secretary, and I was the assistant to boys sports. Um, the office was structured a little bit differently back in uh, 97, but yeah, my entire professional career has been spent at the NMAA, which is pretty cool. And when I was, you know, 21 and started there, I certainly didn't think it was going to be my, my lifeblood and passion. And it, it just, you know, it turned out that way. All the, all the officials kind of grew on me. Um, yeah. So just, you know, we took a vote and you're not allowed to retire <laughs> yeah. anytime soon in the next <laughs> 20 years. So we're, we're fortunate. People don't realize how fortunate we are to have both of you. At the, at the leadership that you do and uh, how you guys take care of all the behind the scenes stuff that most of us have no clue about. So, you know, thank you guys for your service to New Mexico. Yeah, and, and so uh, one of the reasons why we asked you to come on was because um, we just wanted to also thank you to, because you allowed us to um, generate um, this podcast and webinar and send out the information we have been able to send out to the officials statewide on this platform um, without the backing of the of the front office there. Um, I don't think we would have been able to get past week one. Um, but he's being modest. Listen, real quick, we're in like 230 cities and yeah. So so I checked just so you uh, you both know we're. This is episode 45 officially, but we're more at 60 plus episodes because some of them were series with Get It Right Enterprises out of um, Arkansas, Alabama. Yeah. Um, so we've done quite a few of these training sessions um, and we're just a middleman here. We're, we're reaching out to the professional um, officials from the NFL to division one Division two and other high school officials to bring the content to to New Mexico, but uh, we're in 24 countries, 45 U.S. states, 252 U.S. cities, and so this has really gone outside of New Mexico somehow. Um, but it seems like the officials that are working high school rules uh, across the country and in other countries. Um, log on daily because I see it, I get notifications and um, they just keep downloading and keep rewatching and learning what um, the officials are presenting to um, our officials here in New Mexico and across the country. You know, you could, you could go on the web and find plenty of college and NFL and stuff like that talk, but nobody was catering to the high school official. And so we found our little niche, you know, and, and it, the feedback has been really positive. Yeah, so thank you guys for, for allowing us to do this and, and backing us um, at the beginning of the year when when we approached the NMOA, um, Dana's office, and 
and ask for, for for permission and guidance and and assistance and um they you know you guys have been nothing but helpful so um thank you uh from from ken and i and from the new mexico officials um association that that follow us and and continue continue to support us so well, thank you guys. I mean, what you've done as far as webinars and podcasts really have, they were really the catalyst for everything we've done in all of our other sports. So by the two of you kind of taking the, taking the bull by the horns and getting this started down the road, it really, you know, caused us to change the way we were thinking about what to do to keep officials engaged in the, in the COVID shutdown. And um, it, it's been wildly successful and we've gotten nothing but positive feedback. And of course, you, you know, you guys were featured in Referee Magazine for the work that you've done. And it's just been, um, it's been pretty incredible to see the way that we treat, we teach and train officials has changed. And, you know, the two of you really spurred that on. So I, I thank you for everything that you've done without, you know, without pay, without being asked, without any of that, you've done an exceptional job, and, and we really appreciate that. Oh, Sally's going to get an invoice. This is not a year. <laughs> so, um, Sally, uh, if you could just talk a little bit about um, any of your projects that you have going on, um, some of your successes there in, in, in your office, um, your present or, and your future projects that you wanna see um, get developed and be successful before you, you decide to pop smoke and leave office. You know, it's, um, it's hard to even think back as to um, what we've done, and, and I know we've done a lot, and, and I, you know, I could list them all, the things that um, my, when I became executive director and, and the staff and, and all that we've accomplished, um, because COVID right now, and I know I don't, we really don't need to talk so much about COVID, but it's going to lead into that, is that um, has really changed the trajectory of what are the goals, um, you know, for the NMAA. Um, back in you know 2012 when I took over as executive director and even prior to that I when I came on board with Gary Tripp I was in charge of the budget um, at the time when we came on board in 2004 the budget was in the red and we were in the NMAA was struggling at that point um, but I'm very proud to say that before this year we were able to put emergency funds away um, at least 50, over 50% of our current budget, um, I did get into emergency funds. I went to the board of directors and, and asked if we could start having emergency funds just in case. And, and that thought came in 2012. And um, it's ironic that right now for today, that if we did not have that emergency fund, I don't know if we would be able to open our doors for the students of New Mexico. 50% um, of our of our um, revenue comes from ticket sales and state championships. And when you don't have those events going on, then you don't have any revenue coming in. So um, we have been very blessed with our corporate sponsors who have not tanked on us and, and are continuing to support us. Um, we, um, you know, be prior to this year, it, it changed names, but uh, Outfront Media in the corporate world has really helped us and stepped up. And so we're able to keep the doors open because of the emergency fund. And so I think that's one thing that when I do retire, I'm very proud of that um, we're able to continue going and servicing the kids in New Mexico because we had a for, you know, the foresight that if something did happen, ironically, it was when Katrina happened in Louisiana. I remember the, the Louisiana Association couldn't keep their doors open when Katrina happened. And so we as, as state associations nationwide stepped up to try to help them in some way in order to help them with the revenue that they were losing um, at that time. And that's when the, the idea was we needed to do something here in New Mexico. So right now, yeah, I'm very proud of um, the fact that we do have an emergency fund and we can continue to service the students of New Mexico in this tough time. Uh, what are the goals? Well, the goals are before I retire, um, need to make sure kids are back and we're back normally as we always do, playing the sports that we love. And we need to get back that emergency fund back to the same level that we had before COVID in order to make sure that the NMAA is on solid ground. 
I, I was watching one of your podcasts recently on September with JP. I think it was in September. I don't think people realize how diverse your office is. Uh, you guys not only care about kids' mental health, physical health, activity level. Um, could you expand a little bit on that? You know, the thing that everybody focuses on, and, and sometimes the people call us the athletic association, and that's not even what we are. We are an activities association. Not only do we have 13 sports, we have over 20 activities that we service as well. Um, we service uh, 60,000 plus students in New Mexico every single year in an activity or a sport. And so it is, it is quite a daunting task. And, and now, as you just said, we are trying to help with the emotional well-being of students and, and having Wellness Wednesdays. Um, we, you know, we service the NMOA, the athletic directors. We're very good partners with the Coaches Association. Um, and it's just, you know, we branch out. You know, we have our Life of an Athlete program where we talk about uh, drugs and alcohol. We want to extend that to prescription drugs. We work with the Department of Transportation in that program. So it's always, um, we, and now we're working with the Department of Health on the suicide awareness. And, uh, you know, we have leadership council. We have um, students that are the best and brightest in New Mexico that are on our activities council. And so there are so many things at the NMA that we do. And everybody thinks that we just do sports. But I would say we do more on the other side um, than we do sports. I have no idea. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, you say 13 activities and, and all I realized was just 10 sports. Yeah, so we have 13 sports and, and I think it was 25 activities, but I do believe because of COVID, um, it might've gone down to 24 because of rodeo and Dana, I don't know the exact number, but we're somewhere in there. Um, we, used to, we used to sponsor sanctioned rodeo. We do not do that anymore. This is a first year out. So um, we're over 20, 25 activities that, um, that we do um, work with um, closely. And, and Dana does a, I don't think people understand that, um, you know, Dana is a commissioner of officials, but um, she wears more hats than just the commissioner of officials because she is our activities leader as well. So she is the one that's in charge of the activities council. Um, she's in tar charge of our student leadership um, council and virtually she's in charge of every single activity on top of um, officials as well. Yeah, I didn't know Dana had those uh, extra duties. Um, and, and music, she, I can't forget the music because she's in charge of our state music championships. So it, any activity, uh, Dana is the leader um, when it comes to the activities. So, uh, you know, if, if Dana does retire, um, we're going to have to find two people to take her, her <laughs> position, you know, officials and activities on, on both sides. Uh, I know. I see her passion. She'd do it for free. Yeah, she ain't, she ain't going nowhere. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so Dana, why don't you just tell us with that, because I think you have some secrets that you haven't been telling officials, but just identify some of your roles and responsibilities as, as in your position. Sally really hit the nail on the head. So I do oversee our Student Leadership Advisory Council, which has been um, you know, really a highlight for me because it's actually getting to work with kids. I mean, we all work with kids in our office in a very indirect sense, but being able to meet with 18 of the most amazing kids in our state, um, you know, they've been a real source of inspiration for me and I consider myself lucky to work with them. So we're in our fifth year of the Student Leadership Advisory Council. And then I, I am the staff liaison to the Activities Council. So I work with all the non-athletic activities and I, I oversee music, so that means I run two state music events, which is funny because the first year I worked state band, I actually had to admit that I really didn't know much about music other than what I listened to. And I had a band director come over to me and go, hey, where do I put my timpani? And my response was very quickly, what's a timpani? And he goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Why are you in charge of music? And I was like, I don't know. It was just you know, you learn and you develop and it's all about being able to run an event. And um, really you guys all know from working with me on the official side that I'm a big relationship person. And I think that anything that um, 
you can do as far as building relationships with the people you serve they're going to help support you in the stuff that maybe you're not so strong on i don't really know a lot about how to officiate wrestling but you know i can support and advocate and find people who can be trainers and all of that because I don't know that I have the bandwidth to know every rule for every sport, and that's really not what my role is. It's more to, you know, to facilitate just as it is on the music side. So those are really my main, you know, aside from officials, those are really what I do. And then I do a lot of, I'm the, you know, the in-house grammar Nazi, so I'm all about the proofreading, and uh, that's kind of, that's kind of what I do. But we all, I mean, our whole staff is like that. There's no one who wears just one hat it's um we all know that even though we have a job description that it's all about being part of the bigger team and helping out where you know we're needed sally's the executive director but you'll see her hanging banners and you know sweeping the floor at the pit during state basketball it just you, you do what you gotta do to get the job done in all of our roles and we have a you know an incredible staff who everybody's willing to to do what's needed, even if it's something that, quote unquote, is not my job. Everybody's really good about pitching in where they need to. So it's a, it's a great staff, and it's a, it's pretty cool to be a part of it. Yeah, I think we need to um, redirect the music responsibility to Nate Acosta. I think that's perfect for him. Um, I mean, play the guitar. <laughs> there you go. I, 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 no, thank you. No, thank you. We're good with Dana. <laughs> So I think uh, if you have a picture of Sally sweeping the pit floor, that's a good retirement picture. Uh, well, you know, Dana says that's one thing of our staff. We have a fantastic staff. And you just said, Nate, and I'll never forget, um, we're at State Volleyball, and and a girl decides that uh, she is going to throw up all over the, the floor in the state championship game. And, and Nate and I are down there literally cleaning up the mess. Um, in between the, if, if you've been to state volleyball, it's a, it's squares are put together to make the floor. So when something like that happens, it drains down in between the cracks. And uh, Nate and I were in between points wiping it because it was coming up. And, and, and so as Dana says, we do everything. That's one thing of our staff is that, um, yeah, we all have titles. Um, but we are all really on the same page when it comes to just working and, and just getting the job done. And, and I appreciate our staff so much. And in this COVID situation, somebody came in my office and wasn't a staff member. And it was somebody who I respect and um, came in and asked me about what was my greatest asset. And, um, you know, you sit there when you ask, get that question asked and you, you kind of wonder what what is your greatest asset and, and what and and it comes down that my greatest asset and the greatest asset at the NMAA is a whole entire staff. And so um, we, we, they, they do a great job. I will tell you when the whole uh, throw up thing happened, I quickly said, <laughs> not it. I was like, nope, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a sympathetic vomiter. So I was like, I'm sorry, if, if I'm gonna go down there, we're gonna clean up two messes. So I do have my limitations and it has to do with that, so. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I could see Nate down there, uh, sure. you know, doing that and just to get the, the game going again. And so I think it's all about the kids and, and that's. No, you, you do though, coming from outsiders looking in, you have a fantastic staff. You know, Thank you. From JP to, uh, you know, Nate and everybody in between, seriously. I mean, we, if we have a question or if we have, you know, a concern, <laughs> there's, there's so many people we can contact and every time we get a reply. So yeah, it's kudos almost every time. You know, you know, you mentioned you mentioned JP, and and I would tell you that um, people were thinking that he was nuts, and and were you know I I went to the board and asked and created a position because I saw the value that he would do for for New Mexico kids, and it wasn't just the NMAA; it was for the kids in New Mexico when telling stories um, for them, and and he has been a tremendous um, plus. Uh, addition to our staff the past few years and especially now in COVID and you know I don't know if you guys see is every single day as something on Instagram but the jokes I, and the thing now is okay what how much cornier jokes that you can tell but you just have to smile and laugh and and he makes it, it things positive and in the film breakdown and that is Nate too Nate has that gift as well so 
we're really pleased and, and blessed to have uh, JP with us as um, on the staff. Yeah, we had JP on uh, with uh, with uh, Dusty Young a couple weeks ago, and um, JP is nuts. Yeah, those two guys together, yeah. Yeah, they, they filled up. <laughs> so, do you, do you know where, um, what's, the, what's the football team? Kane Sweet, is that, Sally? We're still looking yeah. at Kane Sweet. I don't know if you know that inside joke or not. He was a football player. Uh, at a Carlsbad. Carlsbad. And, no, Clovis. And Clovis. Who got the answer to that because he is the son of Pam Sweet, who's one of our volleyball officials. So, yeah. I was pretty proud of myself. I answered football trivia. We've got to find this Kane Sweet gentleman yeah. and interview him just because of his name. He comes okay. up every webinar. I could get him. I could get him from you. I know his mom. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, you know, what, what, one, one more question before we change gears here to uh, football. Uh, for both of you, if you could just talk about a little bit uh, on your most challenging, I guess, what's most, most challenging for you in your positions? Um, you know, because you're running this this place day to day operations. Um, other than than us being on on the field um, pre COVID, um, the most challenging that I guess officials could help you with, other than just the nonsense complaining of yeah, it's got to be parents. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's parents. Uh, you know, and, and and the word that I use is that. Um, you know, parents, coaches, officials, you know, when they call and angry and, and situation, everybody's just passionate for kids. And, and so when you keep it in perspective that um, it's a passion and it's not anger towards you personally, it's just the situation, um, you know, you can, you can deal with it. It's easier to deal with some of the stuff that comes our way. Yeah, it is, it is tough, um, you know, honestly. But the one thing that I would say is, um, we need to make sure that in New Mexico, um, whether it's an official, whether it's a coach, whether it's a kid, whether it's a parent, we need to put in perspective of what high school sports all are about. And they are, they are to teach kids lifelong skills. And, and we are education-based athletics. And so that is the one thing is to try to continue to get that message out on a day-to-day -day basis that it's not about the blue trophy. It's not about you know, did I make varsity, didn't make varsity, the coach wasn't fair to me, uh, the official, you know, ejected me, or the official weren't very good, and they were biased, you know, all of those complaints that we get. The hardest thing, I think, is to make, get these, everybody in the state back focused to realize what we are doing, and that is to teach kids lifelong skills for them to be successful in the future. I agree 100%. That's Perfect answer. Um, I don't think anybody could add to that. No. So, um, to change gears a little bit to towards football, football officials, um, what we've been trying to do as in the NMOA, there was a proposal, and I'm sure you've seen it, and it's probably sitting on your desk or the executive board's desk, is the huddle film submission by coaches. Um, that's been a long process. Uh, to get it to where it's at, um, and, and yeah, I think I think we're close. Um, but Dana, if you could just talk a, a little bit about the background of the submission, and and then and then Sally, if you could talk about where it's at now. And of course, you guys know that this has been a, a topic topic of conversation for quite some time. Uh, we did start using Huddle, gosh, probably five or six years ago with the NMOA. Um, simply as a tool for officials to get game film and be able to do some self-evaluation. We then, you know, send some film to our um, evaluators, which include some of our Division I football officials in the state, as well as, as, well as our, our prized land clerk in the NFL. So they do our film breakdown for us. So we started using evaluators on film, and that's been helpful as well. But one of the things that we've always struggled with is getting film. So even though we had it, and even though we've asked for film from coaches, we don't get a whole lot. It's usually the same, you know, 10 or 12 schools that submit every week, and then the other film gets submitted generally when there's a, when there's a question or a problem in a game. <laughs> Excuse me. So 
the kind of the way it's all evolved is we've had officials who have asked if we can require film to be submitted and it's always hard to say you have to do this but then not really have any kind of you know sanction if it doesn't happen so we've had conversation about it um, on our executive board we have a coaches association representative who right now is dusty giles and he started looking into it again and did a survey with all the football coaches in the state and it passed our executive board and it went to the commission last month and there was discussion at that point um and i'm i'm kind of going into sally's part of it but i'll i'll lead her up to where i want her to talk about it but uh the commission did have discussion and it was placed as a discussion item on the november agenda and the plan now is to kind of do some more work with Dusty and with the football sports specific committee about how that's going to look from the standpoint of is, is there going to be a sanction, um, how it's going to work in terms of timing, all of that stuff. So it's, it wasn't, I don't think that there was negative response from the commission at all. It was just wanting to get some more information and fill in some of the holes from the proposal from the, from the NMOA side of things. Sally, did, you, did I miss anything or is there anything you can add to that? No, I, I think you, you, you know, you nailed it right as it should be. Um, one thing I think uh, that the public should be aware is a lot of times people think that um, I can sit in behind a desk and, and make all the rules and that I make all the rules of the NMAA. Um, I do not make up any rules. Um, what my job is, is I work for the schools in order to make sure that the rules are being followed amongst the state. And so when a rule just like, like this huddle situation goes through, um, it has to be discussed and then it has to be approved by the commission. Um, from the commission, it then has to be approved by the board of directors. And then it has to go back out to the membership for a vote, a referenda to get approval from the member schools. So anything that we have coming before a rule change or, you know, we're doing something different, whether that's classification alignment, um, anything like that, must go through that same process where it's approved by the commission, the board, and then the membership and the member school. So it's a three-step process to even to get a rule change um, in the, in, for the NMAA. Yeah, and we're a member-led association but we are governed by the NMAA constitution. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah, what, that is correct. And that's what drives all our decisions is, is, is it in the constitution. So um, that's my understanding is it's up for discussion. Um, what's the next step again after, uh, once it, once it, um, it needs to pass the executive board vote. We'll have to pass the commission. So it was a discussion item at the last commission meeting. So it'll be placed as action at the next one. After it passes the commission, it would go to the NMAA board of directors, which is comprised of superintendents. And then after that, it goes to a referenda vote by the member schools. Okay. And so when is that next meeting? Uh, the next commission meeting is in February. Okay. So, so it'll be February and then the next board meeting is at the end of February. Um, and again, it sees what the commission does. And if the commission does not pass it, then we will not take it to the board of directors. Um, we will wait to see and go back to see what we're missing in order for it to pass. But um, the commission will be the driving force, whether it goes to the board. Okay. And as far as I understand, um, the submission the, the film submission will be sent to the to the animal huddle count, um, which would not cost the schools anything. It just um, a little bit of time to submit it every week, but there's no financial burden on the schools for this. Is how I understand what, how, what the proposal was written with. That's correct. Okay. Um, so with that. We're ready to get on the field, guys. We want to officiate. Yeah, is there anything else you guys can do? Uh, can we send uh, <laughs> blood samples to the governor or something? Or I mean, we're we're chomping at the bit here. We really are. As soon as we started talking football, you should have seen Dennis's aura just change. 
you know, that's, that's why we started this whole thing. It's, uh, I know it's your two favorite sport as well. You won't admit it, but you know that. Everybody loves football. Come on. So it looks like the, the spring schedule was passed a couple days ago. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but it looks like we have multiple sports starting in, was it March, February? So, so we're, um, the, the schedule that was passed by the board of directors, um, we had a calendar out um, this the past couple months, few months, and, and it started with basketball, swimming and diving and spirits starting on January 4th. Um, as cases started rising, um, and trying to be proactive, we, we realized in communication with the governor's office that um, that could be problematic. You know, they hadn't said yes or no, but on January 4th is, is kind of tough, especially when some school districts are already waiting uh, till MLK to get back to school just because of the two-week quarantine if some, of, if some people left for the Christmas holidays, the winter break. And so um, we were being proactive. Um, what happened in the fall, our golf and cross country and volleyball, they started practice. Volleyball even went through tryouts. And then all, the governor's office said that they, we could not do fall sports. So it was really hard on those kids who had already started basically practicing and getting tryouts for their season. And then they couldn't participate after all from the governor's office. So we didn't want that to take place. We learned a lot there and we didn't want that to take place with January 4th that you know they started they're getting excited and on january 4th they hear that they wouldn't be able to play because of the COVID numbers so we were being proactive and and i sent to the board of directors we were able to shift the calendar shrink the fall and winter seasons a little bit and we were able to shift the calendar where football practice would begin on february 1st the new calendar um, does have fall sports going first then winter sports, then spring sports. Uh, the reason for that, the reason that we put fall and then winter and shifted basketball is because um, talking to the governor's office, basketball being a contact sport and indoors was going to be very problematic with January, February. And they felt that it was best with the fall sports it's an outdoor sports and, and um, they've always said it's always best to be outdoors. You see with the dining, you know, the restaurants, you can have outdoor dining. So having the outdoor sports um, would be easier to get going in February than indoor sports. Now we do have volleyball starting, but volleyball is not a contact sports and it is mask. We have a mask wearing. So we are really in safe quarters when it comes to that indoor sport. So football, uh, practices for will, right now will be started February 1st and the first competition um, weekend I think it's I don't have it in front of me but I think it's like the 19th and 20th that that weekend the third weekend in February is when competitions will start and it will be a seven week season so are we gonna um, officiate all three levels uh, varsity JVC team, um, or is how's that the schedule going to look with, um, I guess, not enough officials to cover multiple sports that are going on when football starts? Well, if you look at the schedule, yes, it is going to be all three levels um, at this point. If you look at the schedule, it's not anything different um, than a normal season. You know, you have volleyball, cross country, um, soccer and football going on and, and we have that all the time every single year so the football and are we going to have enough officials is not going to be an issue because it's not conflicting with any sports just like it doesn't in the fall um, so and we've always have an overlap between football and basketball um, in, in the normal uh, school year and we will have a, basically a two-week overlap only in this new calendar. So there's nothing different that is going on. It is just that the, the seasons have been, had, are shrinking quite a bit is what's happening. Yeah, I understand oh. that. I guess uh, the question was maybe some officials that have opted out from officiating this year uh, because of COVID. Um, hopefully, yeah. hopefully. We really haven't had too many dentists that have opted out completely. We're probably at 
across all sports, we've heard from about 15 to 20 officials in the entire state in all sports who have decided to sit out because of COVID. But as Sally mentioned, you know, one thing to remember is the the only effect that will take place is some of the officials that are working postseason in football might miss some of those first weekend games in basketball, for example. So the overlap is basically the same. It's just a kind of a condensed calendar with shorter seasons. Yeah, and that opt-out number is, is pretty consistent with the officials that, um, I guess, from nutrition um, depletion from previous years and, and the future vets, new officials coming in to replace them. So I guess yeah. the, it balances out. So that, that, that was, the, I guess, the question. So I'll um, speak I, for the coaches. I'll speak for the coaches and the players and the officials. Seven weeks sounds fantastic right now. We'll yeah. take a four-week season. And that's what we hear from coaches. They just want to play football. And yeah. um, so we're looking to see how we can manage where even with, when teams are in the playoffs, the kids, the teams that are not in the playoffs can still play. So we don't want it to be like they play three weeks only, but they are chomping at the bit and they will take six, seven weeks, five weeks, four weeks. They'll try, take anything that they can get. So th this seven weeks includes playoffs or are we going to have a postseason after the seven weeks? No, that includes playoffs. Okay. And how, how, how does that look um, as far as who gets in? Is it a two-week playoff? Um, we're, we're still gathering information from the coaches. We had a coaches meeting. I had a coaches meeting last week with all of them. And um, we have – Dusty's been working on smaller districts and how's the playoffs going to look. And so that, that has not been finalized just yet, um, but we will get that out shortly. We are still – polling coaches, getting ideas from coaches. And, and um, so they have their voice being heard in how we're going to do this and the athletic directors as well. Well, that's great. Uh, so more questions and more answers to come with, uh, with the spring schedule. Um, right now we're looking at seven weeks with the postseason, a couple weeks for practice and scrimmage. I'm, I'm I hope there'll be at least one scrimmage opportunity um, before the season starts. I don't know if, if that's a possibility or not. We, we don't know at that point about the scrimmage. What we did because the coaches are, it, we're going to have to talk to the coaches. Uh, they were very concerned um, about not having preparation time with these kids had been off. You know, that some of them been remote learning. Some of them hadn't even been to the pod practices that we had in pods. So we um, made sure that we had about two and a half, over two and a half weeks for them to start getting their kids ready to compete. And so we had not talked about having scrimmages at all. Um, that is something that we can go back to the drawing board and see if they would be ready to have a scrimmage after maybe nine days of practice. Um, but, um, you know, competition would begin on that the Friday, Saturday of that third week. Okay. Uh, appreciate appreciate that information. And uh, once the season ends, after that short seven weeks, um, what do the summer months look like as far as um, giving the coaches a little bit more leeway to have uh, some makeup time and get their their teams ready for the fall season? If hopefully we have a regular fall season in 2021. Well, we've always had the summer months open, and that's where a lot of football does it, does um, some training. We're, we're still, you know, those are a lot of questions that have to be answered. Right now in the calendar, our spring sports, the baseball, softball, tennis, golf, um, those sports, um, they track and field, and a lot of football players do run track. Um, that state championship is not till the end of June. So I would say right now with the way that the calendar is that football would have their season and then they would be back July 1st in order to get ready for the fall season in 21-22. Well, I know I'm excited for, for, for any kind of football at the high school level. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of other guys are ready to get on the field. So when you give us the green light, Sally, uh, I'm sure Dana will make sure we're there and we're ready to go. Yeah, we know that you guys are ready. We're ready. It's just a matter of getting the green light actually from the governor's office. 
Um, that is what we would be waiting upon, but um, our staff is ready. Dusty, the, the director of football is ready. Dana is ready with the official side. Um, our coaches, our athletic directors, the schedules will be there for our athletic directors. So we will be ready, all of us just waiting to hear from the governor's office and we're very hopeful. Um, but, you know, we're also cautiously optimistic. I guess that's a better word, word to put with that is that the COVID's gonna, the numbers are gonna drive what's gonna happen in February. And, and we gotta get these numbers down and get out of these red counties and, in order to play sports. And, and so I just urge everybody to, and I know one way or the other, whether you agree or don't agree and all the back and forth that we have, um, we have to get out of red counties in order to play. Yeah, I agree. And hopefully that vaccine that's coming out gets here soon and uh, that helps those numbers. Mm -hmm, correct. And these kids are able to, to pad up and start hitting each other. So well, I, I'm sure they're, ch they're chomping at the bit. And, and if you know, some of the football players right now, we have started, you know, you talked about all the stuff the NMAA does. We really thought outside the box and we started powerlifting competitions amongst our schools, virtual powerlifting. And so that was trying to help uh, the football scenario and in all sports to keep um, in shape and engaged and, and to look forward to something when they're working out. So right now they are doing virtual power lifting. Um, one of the as we activities, sponsored activities, right? The new one. Yes. Uh -huh. And all the activities are going. Um, in fact, uh, this week there's a speech and debate competition, a virtual competition. So they're all, all the, all of the activities are going virtually and, and having competitions. Well, um, you know, there is a lot going on at the NMAA, um, a lot going on in the on the football official side. We, we've been training all year. Uh, is, you know, here, here's your, your plug. Um, is there anything you want to tell the, the NMOA uh, officials from your office, Ellie? You know, I just uh, want to thank the officials. I, it, it's amazing. Um, you know, we talk about being a family and, and the NMA family, and I hear the NMOA family all the time. And, you know, you always try to find the silver lining that comes out of negative situations. And COVID has been tough. I mean, it's, it's going on here almost nine months, and it, it has been very, very difficult. But one thing that we have learned is that just like this podcast, that you guys are stepping forward and doing this podcast and the webinars and the training that all the football officials are doing online and, and being able to get together and, you know, Zoom, whoever thought that Zoom, I wish I had stock in Zoom, but whoever thought that Zoom would be the best way that we start training officials and, and being on the same page statewide with rules and so there's a lot of good that has come out and, and we're gonna take forward, Dana is gonna take forward some of the good that's coming out with our regional webinars and our meetings and this podcast and how do we continue in the right path, um, you know, and learn from COVID and take the good things out of this in order to get better as officials and as, an, and, and as the NMAA and partners uh, together. So. Um, I just want to say thank you to you guys for stepping forward with the podcast. This is a great idea. And then also the webinars, um, stepping forward with all that. And, and Dana and Nate have done a wonderful job with, with keeping officials engaged in this time. Um, we, we could have lost a lot of officials. That, you know, there's no games. We could have lost a lot of officials, but we didn't. You know, you're talking about, about how many did we lose and how many are opting out. We are not seeing that because... Um, you guys are, are keeping everybody um, trained and, and, and excited and positive, and, and that's, that's where we're going with all of this. So I just want to say thank you to you guys and all the officials for hanging in there with our coaches, with our kids. It, it is hard. It is frustrating. We're just chomping at the bit to get back on the field, and um, we'll be ready when we're given the green light. And, and I always end all of these like, we will play again, New Mexico, and when that is, we are going to be ready, and I know our officials are going to be ready and well-trained. So thank you, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you for the kind words. Uh, we really uh, appreciate you two coming on this morning. We, it was really fascinating to learn your background and that you played ball for UNM. And, and I, you know, just thank you for giving us a little bit of background on you. And oh, Dana, sure. as always, thank you. Appreciate it. 
Yeah, thank you. And, and um, you know, we can't go without saying that, uh, you know, Hector Martinez um, also jumped on uh, this training platform and got the baseball started um, with the webinars. Um, you know, if I could do more, or me and Ken could do more of these for other sports, uh, it's just uh, very time consuming. We could only take one sport on at a time. Um, Nate Acosta uh, drove the basketball webinars. I'm not too sure who drove the other ones with the volleyball and the wrestling and whatever other ones are, are were generated out of uh, this idea, but uh, we're glad that, that it took off and uh, we were able to keep as many officials as we can um, ready to, to go when the season does start. So um, it, goes back, it goes back to the NMAA and MOA's office with their support and allowing officials to do this. Well, I just think it's been great through this whole time to see the number of officials in all sports who've stepped up and really, you know, tried something new and have understood the importance of keeping officials engaged and keeping the, the officiating family together. And, you know, I'm hearing about some of the states in the, in the country that are seeing a 50% loss of their officials. And I'm just, you know, I keep waiting to see if I, I'm going to open my inbox one day and see a bunch of people saying they're not coming back. But the fact that it's been such a collaborative effort um, by our officials to keep these kinds of things going. It, it's really helped out a lot. And you all hear me say it all the time. I, I think the NMOA has the best officials in the country because you're dedicated and passionate. And I think sometimes being a small state, it really enables all of us to know each other as human beings and have that, you know, have that level of respect and that understanding of the importance of the officiating family. And it's just, it's really like Sally said, we've, we've tried and I think we've been pretty successful in finding that silver lining and uh, my hats off to all the officials who have in their, in their respective sports who have taken, taken the bull by the horns and gotten this kind of thing started. So it's been, it's been a relief because uh, we haven't had to do all the, all the thinking and creating. Yeah, thank you. And um, that's our time. I appreciate uh, you guys spending an hour with us again. Sally Marcus, Executive Director of the NMAA, Dana Pappas, Commissioner of Officials for the NMOA. And uh, this is our last podcast for 2020. We will be back in a month, month and a half, or sooner if we hear anything new um, and get us prepared uh, for the season uh, with some more training sessions. We do have things on horizon um, that we will be recording. So again, in Sally's words, we will play again New Mexico and good luck on the field.